Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds Podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. When it comes to our life, we have two choices. We repeat or we evolve. Now this is applicable for every area of our life, but it's especially true for our finances. The problem is many of us don't even understand what that underlying money story is or money script. And so it's really hard to know if we are repeating or if we're evolving. So that's why I wanted to focus this episode on giving you a little bit more about my personal background. So I'll talk a little bit about my own money story. We can kind of talk through how this has showed up in my own life. And then hopefully it will at least inspire you to think about your own money story and how that could be affecting you today. Let's start with just talking about what a money story is. So a money story is really just a series of events that usually come from childhood that had an impact on your core memories. So this is the stuff that makes up your personal beliefs, your thoughts, your feelings. And ultimately, remember, your thoughts lead to your feelings, your feelings lead to your actions, your actions create your results. So all of these childhood memories that you have about money, they impact your behaviors in such a huge way. Now, again, so many of us don't even understand this is happening. We just never even question it. Now, notice that I'm saying we don't question it. I'm not saying you have to change this stuff. Some of these beliefs you might want to carry forward, and that's awesome. But some of these beliefs you might find are not really serving you and helping you grow and become the person you want to become. That's when we know that things have to change. So I like to say there is a model for your money story. The first thing you have to do with any type of behavior change is observe. You have to get that awareness piece. So first we're observing, we're not judging. The second thing that we are doing is we are questioning. We're saying, hey, do I actually believe this? Is this actually supporting me and the person I want to become? If it's not, then we alter the behavior and then we repeat. So we have to go through this iteration a lot. So we observe, we question, we alter, we repeat. And ultimately, if we do this enough times, we start to evolve in our thoughts. That's the very simplified version of it. The way to do that is very complex. It takes a lot of time. You can have a financial coach help you with this. You can have a therapist help you with this. You can journal and listen to podcasts and go through this period of self-discovery on your own. But frankly, I want us all to get to the point where we start to question where do our beliefs come from. And the first place to start is to really get a deeper understanding of your own personal money story. So here is my background. I grew up in a really small farming city. There were maybe 10, 15,000 people in this city. It's very much a blue collar place. 
It's one where you were trying so hard to just graduate high school and just get out of the city. And if you didn't, then the expectation was you would stay in the city as well. Now, again, this is just like the overall narrative. It's really not uh, that uncommon for a lot of small towns. The other thing, too, with living in a very small town is the expectation is if you don't have kids and you're not married by the time you're like 25, you're kind of a weirdo. So here I am sitting in my 30s, unmarried and no kids. So you better believe I'm a little strange for a lot of people growing up in a very small city. Now, growing up, I remember my parents worked in factories. Like this is kind of what they did. There were a couple big factories in the city that I grew up. And so I remember my dad, when I was a kid, we used to drive over to deliver lunch and like coffee and stuff to him when he was working in one of these factory jobs. And then we would go home and that was kind of the way it was. My mom stayed home. She stayed home with the kids. She was primarily responsible for all the caregiving. I mean, I don't even know if my dad changed a diaper, if I'm being honest. So that was kind of the very traditional roles for a heterosexual marriage. That was kind of what I grew up with. And the interesting thing is my parents got married very, very young. My mom was 17. My dad was, I don't know, 18 or 19. He was super young too. They started dating in high school. Again, small towns, not very uncommon. And they just got married really young. They had kids pretty young. I think my mom had my oldest sister when she was like 21 years old. And all throughout their entire relationship, it was Again, that traditional role. The woman stays home and raises kids. The man goes and gets a job and provides for the family. That was the narrative that I grew up with. And that was great and that was fine. And I think that works for a lot of people. But my parents got to the point where they were getting really stressed out. So my dad was very entrepreneurial. He started a business and his business was a pallet distributor, which basically meant pallets that are used for like shipping things on semi trucks and that kind of stuff. That's what his business was. It's actually quite an interesting business model. And so what that looked like was 24 seven, truly 24 seven, 365. He would get phone calls in the middle of the night for pallet deliveries, he would have to run outside go load up a load of pallets, which is like 24 pallets, uh, repair some of them if needed, and then go deliver those and then come back home with a check or cash. And that was kind of how the business worked. So because he was very much always on call 24-7, it's fascinating. Even to this day, his phone was constantly ringing, like off the hook ringing all the time. Even to this day, my own personal phone is always on silent because I can't stand hearing the phone ring. It just stresses me out. It kind of immediately takes me back to childhood. So as you can imagine, if that stressed me, little Whitney out, you can only imagine what that would do to an adult with the pressure of I have to provide for my family. And might I add, with six kids, I can't even imagine. I get stressed over my one dog today. So it's very fascinating to think about the dynamic differences between my life today and my parents' life when they were my age. So my dad led to some very unhealthy habits. He chose to do drugs. Um, He was addicted to meth for a little bit of time. And initially, I never understood this. As an adult, I understand the coping mechanisms and the stress and that escapism that you might be looking for if that was your life is just constantly taking phone calls and trying to just stay awake and trying to run a business and take care of a family and deal with your own childhood trauma. Like I I can only imagine how difficult that was. And so as the drugs started to progress, their relationship, which arguably was not that great to begin with, started getting even rockier. 
Now it started to get to the point where I don't know if you've ever been around addicts, but I remember for our childhood, every Sunday is when he would start to come off of the drugs. And so every single Sunday, we were walking on eggshells because we just didn't want to piss our dad off. So we would go outside, we'd be playing, my mom would try to keep us busy. This was normal for us. And then eventually it started leading to physical abuse as well. So there was a lot of verbal abuse, there was a lot of just uncertainty, there was a lot of walking on eggshells that for sure led to physical. Now the physical was pretty much targeted to my mom. My mom would do the best that she could, but their relationship was very dysfunctional, guys. It just really was. And so one of the things that I I watched as a kid was when my mom was getting to the point where she was moving in and out of the house, this is about when I was in maybe middle school, junior high age is when all of this started. It was not uncommon for my mom to move out every week. Or like once a month, it was pretty normal for my mom to move out to take a couple of my siblings, usually the youngest, and we would not really know where she was going. We wouldn't really know what to do. Like it was a really weird time, very uncertain. But one thing that I remember is my mom used to hide money from my dad because again, stay at home mom, she didn't have any income, right? So she would hide money from my dad and she used to tape money behind like picture frames and stuff. And that was such a normal part of my childhood was seeing my dad constantly stressed about work, their relationship slowly deteriorating, my mom hiding money, my mom having to get permission for going to like the grocery store to go spend money. She would get in trouble if she spent too much money. Like all of this stuff is like very stereotypical control and also trauma induced childhoods, right? Like, I mean, usually again, we repeat or we evolve. I do believe that my parents in a lot of ways just repeated what they had modeled when they were kids too. And so that was really a little bit about my childhood. Now, I do remember my mom finally got to the point where she was truly fed up and truly done, and she left for good. And when she left, she moved to Boise, which is where I live now, and she finally took us all with her a little bit at a time, took the youngest siblings first. Uh, My oldest sister was kind of living on her own at that time, so my brother and I stayed behind with my dad. And eventually we ended up in Boise as well. And at that time, my mom lived in this tiny little apartment that was two bedrooms. There were six kids again, like my sister had moved in with a period of time too. And we were broke. Like we were broke, broke. My mom didn't have a college education. She was making $7.25 an hour. Like it was insane. I think back now and I, I can't even imagine trying to support that many kids on next to nothing of an income. So I, as an adult, I recognize now that is 100% poverty. So we grew up in poverty for a while. And when we're sleeping on the floor of this little apartment, we also didn't really have a super, super reliable car. So we did kind of walk to a lot of places because gas was expensive. And so as we're walking one day, my mom and I looked over and we found a mattress in the garbage can. And we were like, what? This is so amazing. So we grabbed that mattress. We grabbed our car, put it on top of the car. I don't even know how we got it home. That had to have been what we did. But we got it back to the apartment. We were so stoked. So for me, I was 16 at that time. That was a huge money lesson for me. That was really teaching me the difference between things that we say we need and things that we actually want. And so I started to realize at 16 that money kind of mattered. And I saw that I didn't want to 
live a similar life to what my mom went through. I thought that was insane. And I didn't really want that to be the case. But the narrative the entire time was that college is the path out of poverty. If you go to college and you have control over your income, no man will ever hold you back or make decisions for you. And you'll never be stuck in a situation where you can't leave because of money which was my mom's situation. She truly couldn't leave because she didn't have the funds to escape the situation. She just didn't have the money. That's why she was hiding dollar bills behind picture frames. And so that was a lot of the narrative of my formidable years. I learned from my dad that money comes from hard work, that money is something that, this is from both my parents, that you need to hide from your spouse, and that people will come out of the woodworks if they know that you have any money. So you should never talk about money with people. You should always let them think that you're just totally broke. And ultimately, the overall feeling was you can't rely on your partner for money. But one of the most beautiful things that my parents taught me and that I really did learn from my childhood, part of my money story is that you can just go work and get money. So when my parents were going through this divorce and they were going back and forth between the city I grew up in and uh, Boise, where I live today, my dad's business kind of got put on the back burner. It was really, I mean, I get why. It was a lot of stress for both of my parents, for sure. And so my dad was out of town, but the phone would keep ringing. So I remember I was like 14 or 15. I don't even think I had my driver's license. This is small town Idaho for you. So I would answer the phone call and I would get the information for the the pallet delivery. Like where were they at? Were they close by? How far did I have to drive? And there were many days where I just walk out to the garage. I would fix the shop, I should say. We didn't really have a garage, but I would fix pallets. I would load them up on a truck. I would tie them down to the best of my ability. I'm like 14 years old. This is so crazy. I would take down the delivery and I would go deliver pallets to a truck stop or to these like factories basically. And then I'd walk away with some money. Like I thought it was amazing. As an adult now, I'm like, what the heck? That's so crazy. But I loved it. And that was a really important money story that I still carry with me is that making money does not have to be hard. You just have to get out there and work. So that's something that has always stuck in the back of my mind. Now, as you can see, I had kind of a crazy childhood. I really did. It was a very dysfunctional childhood. I have fond memories of it, but it definitely impacted me in my adulthood. No doubt about it. One piece that I noticed that it really did impact me was this whole portion of, you know, do your parents argue about money or not? Like how, how did they approach money? Money was always a tension piece in my family. It was never a good conversation. It was something that my dad could just, you know, go do whatever he wanted with money. My mom had to pinch pennies. It was really interesting. I remember as a kid, my dad would often come home with new cars. Now, when I say new cars, these were still like total beater cars. They really were. But he collected cars for a little bit, like old school cars. And so he would come home often with a car. So I thought that was normal for so long where one partner would just randomly come home with a car and not even talk to their partner about it. Because I remember that was a conversation. My my mom was like, oh, your dad bought another car today. I'm like, oh, did you know? Nope, didn't know. Like, it's so weird to me today. But that was that was normal. That was my childhood. 2022 is the year you're going to make the leap and turn your passion into profit. But let's be real, you need the right team to make it happen. Indeed makes it easy to hire and build a team with the right skills to make your dreams a reality. 
If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find the right candidates with the right skills, you really just need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash money nerds. Offer is valid through March 31st, go to indeed.com slash money nerds to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash money nerds, terms and conditions to apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. And I would say one of the biggest ways that my childhood really impacted me and I had to truly work through was that whole feeling of you can't rely on your partner for help financially, especially financially. That caused a lot of issues because, I mean, Tony and I have been together for, at this stage, like 17 years. We're high school sweethearts, and we basically have grown up together. He knows my trauma. I know his trauma. We understand each other's money stories intimately. We talk about this stuff often. And so that has been a point of tension over the years of me feeling like I can't ask him for help and getting a little bit resentful here and there. Like It was always a big issue. But once I started to really understand my money script, that's when I was able to change it. And that model I shared at the beginning of this episode of first observing, then questioning, then altering, and then repeating, that really was how I started to learn that I can rely on Tony. We are on the same team. We do want the same things for each other's lives. We want things to go well. Now, that doesn't mean I rely on him for everything. Absolutely not. Like I'm still a very independent person, but it's okay to trust your partner and to rely on them when you're trying to combine your lives. That was something I had to really work through. The other thing that I want you to think through for your own life. So this was my childhood. Your childhood could be similar, could be totally different. Maybe your parents never seemed to struggle with money. In fact, they never seemed to struggle with it because they never even talked about it. So for you, you might have this money script of thinking that money is something that you should never talk about. That is so impolite. That's just really tacky to talk about money. How would you ever do that? If that's the case and you feel like nobody ever struggles with money, that can really lead to a lot of feelings of inadequacy, especially when you think everybody seems to have this money stuff figured out because they never talk about it. But really behind the scenes, it's a bit of a mess. And I feel like that can be very, very normal. So the other thing that I think a lot of people don't understand that their money script affects is even how much of a car you buy. So for my family, my parents bought beater cars for the most part. The kids drove beater cars. That was just what we did. And so for me, that showed up as I don't have to have the latest and greatest car. It's fine. I can drive a beater. It'll get me through. And also, like, if I have kids, I can't personally imagine ever buying them like a brand new car or financing my kids a car 
because it's more reliable. Like that is so not in my head because of my own money script. Yours might be totally different. You might have grown up in a family where kids always had the nicest car because your parents wanted you to be in something super, super reliable. Or maybe you grew up in a family where you did buy beater cars all the time. And so your money script was that's normal, but your beater car is always going to break down. So you need to go finance a better car. Like this stuff really does affect us in so many ways. And often we don't even understand it. So it's really, really crazy. Another thing is if you had lack of money, if that was a problem, you might have a scarcity mindset in your adulthood where you never feel like you have enough. Even when you do have enough, you always feel like, ah, there's just not enough money there. Sometimes it's opposite. Sometimes you grew up in a family where money was not an issue. You had an abundance of money. Everything was taken care of. And that comes with its own set of issues too, where maybe you saw family members coming and asking for help often, or you saw your parents hiding the amount of money that they made, or you felt like extra pride because you guys had a really nice house when you were a kid, and that could be your money script. So then if you don't have a really nice house in adulthood, you feel, again, inadequate. All of this stuff matters so much. Another question to really ask yourself to dig into your own money story is, what were your parents' childhood like as well? It's so important because our parents grew up in sometimes good, sometimes bad environments as well, and they have their own unique perspectives. And frankly, therapy and counseling and inner work and all of this stuff was not really a thing for most people that are, I'd say, 45 plus I grew up, I mean, for us millennials, this is such a common thing where it's doing the work and understanding where our beliefs come from and going to therapy when you need it. Like this is very normalized. For the generation that is my parents, this is not normal. So there are seriously so many people that have never even examined their own childhood to see how that impacts them today. And they never even looked at their parents' childhood to see how that might have impacted their parents and therefore impacted them indirectly as well. It's really fascinating to me. It really is. Because all of this money script stuff, and the way that we spend money and the way that we save money and invest money and view money and earn money, all of this stuff generally comes from childhood. Now it doesn't have to impact you. Just because your childhood was a little crazy, maybe your childhood was like mine, it doesn't have to impact you as an adult. But all of your childhood beliefs do still affect you. They're still going to creep its head in occasionally, check in on you, see how you're doing, so to speak. It doesn't really go anywhere. It's always in the back of your mind. That's what formed you into being the person that you are today. But that doesn't have to impact who you become. Now, just because things have changed you and formed you and you went through some trauma in your childhood, whatever that looks like for you, again, that doesn't mean that is your future. That is destined forever. If you have a problem with constantly under-earning, maybe you just can't seem to get past a certain dollar amount. And when you examine this, you notice that your parents were also stuck at that set dollar amount. Maybe it's $50,000 a year. They can't seem to get past that that could be holding you back. Now, I'm not saying it is, but it can subconsciously show up in your life and affect you. And so that's why it's so important to really understand what your money script is. So if I were in your shoes, here's what I would do. If you are a talker and you process things through talking, go talk to a therapist or a counselor. If you can't afford a therapist or a counselor, then talk out loud to yourself. 
Seriously, record yourself on your phone and just talk about some of your earliest childhood memories. What were the conversations around money? How did that impact you? Did your parents always say, don't leave the door open? We're not paying to heat the outside. Was money always a point of contention? Was it a positive thing? What did your parents teach you about money? I want you just to go through and just talk about your life in detail. But once you have that, you can start to really go through and understand your underlying story. If you're not somebody who likes to speak out loud, journal on this, do like as much writing on it as you possibly need. But ultimately, don't ignore this stuff. Again, you don't have to change anything. If there's a belief that you enjoy and you appreciate that your parents instilled in you, that's awesome. I have a ton of beliefs that I actually really do appreciate. But that doesn't mean you have to change it. You just have to understand where it comes from. There's a really great article that I read on womenwhomoney.com, and I thought this was so great because this is once you have that awareness piece, what do you do next with that information? And this is from that article, and I thought it was a really great tip, so I wanted to share it with you. The first thing to do is you say, what does your new money mindset look like? So you've got your childhood in front of you. You can see how that impacted your beliefs and your values. Now, ultimately, what does your new money mindset look like? How does that show up in your life? The next question to ask yourself is, how does this story play out in my finances? How does this story play out in my finances? Do you pay your bills on time? Are you the type of person that earns plenty of money? You always have enough money to cover your bills plus some. Do you save more? Do you spend less? Do you let go of some of that shame or fear you might have? And ultimately, do you worry about money? Do you not worry about money? These things all matter when it comes to recreating your new story. And then you have to ask yourself, what actions or behaviors do you need to take to make your new financial story a reality? I like to think of the person I want to become, how do they act? How do they show up? How do they feel? What do they do? All of that stuff really does matter quite a bit. So when you're starting to create a new money mindset or a new money script, you have to think through the person you want to become, what are those actions and what are those behaviors that they take? Now, lastly, once you have all of these steps really clearly detailed out for your life, The next thing is to ask yourself, what thoughts or feelings does this new mindset about money elicit? When you close your eyes and you think about how you want to feel about money, what are the feelings that come up? Is it excitement? Is it peace of mind? Is it security? Maybe it's freedom. Think about that new money script and how that ultimately makes you feel in your soul. Now, this is how you can start to slowly understand and slowly reprogram your mindset. This is lifelong work. Again, if you struggle with the self-step, I would highly recommend getting a financial coach, getting a therapist, getting a counselor, finding somebody that can help you uncover your old mindset and build a healthy new mindset that makes you feel freaking awesome about your life. That's what this stuff is all about. Now, it's not about becoming a victim of our childhood. It's not about dwelling on the past. It's about understanding how the past has made you the person that you are today and ultimately questioning that and building a better future. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It's something that I don't entirely share that much with my own personal background, but I hope it was helpful for you to see some of the struggles that I've had to go through and some of those money scripts I had to reprogram to have a healthier mindset around money. 
All right. If you enjoyed this episode, do me the biggest favor and leave a five-star review on whatever podcast player you like best, wherever you're listening to this. And let me know that you're listening in. If you want to go bonus points, come say hi to me on Instagram. I'm at Whitney underscore Hanson underscore co. I would love to connect with you and just say hi and see who's listening in. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you hanging in on this episode. This is definitely a vulnerable one for me, but I hope it was helpful for you. All right, that's it for today. I'll see you on Friday for five tip Friday or next week for another episode of the money nerds podcast. Bye. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money.